It was about 35 years ago. I had just finished a funeral mass, and, and like most funerals, <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the people were somber, and you know, from their faces, you couldn't really tell what was going on, but they, they just obviously looked sad. So I went to the graveside. It was a big group of people. And um, I just came to the end of my prayers, and then one of the daughters of the woman who died stood up, and she, um, she said, just a moment, I want everyone to pause and, and thank my daughter because she was there for mom, for grandma. And she took care of her every day, and she poured her heart and her life into her grandma. And so she deserves a lot of praise. And then her sister said, oh, what about my son? He was over there too all the time and always helping grandma. And then somebody else shouted out and said, yeah, but because he was stealing her jewelry and buying drugs with it. And then the two women started to fight at the graveside. I've never seen this in my life before or since. And they were, pardon me, this is a sexist thing to say, but it was a woman fight. You know, women's fights are something else. <laughs> Woo! They went at it. And one of the women had a sweater with big knit, big knit, and the other one actually tore the knitting. I, I couldn't believe it. So now a brother, two brothers jumped in and separated them, and they're screaming, yelling, huffing and puffing. And when it finally died down, I said a final prayer. Then I went over to them and I said, listen, if I can do anything to help you, but I want to say, if you don't fix this, if you don't reconcile, your family's going to split. And to my knowledge, they never did. And I see this happen at funerals, not, not a fight, but a, a different kind of fight over money, uh, over who got more. So uh, in a more personal way, uh, when I was in my teens, um, my grandfather died in Kansas, and my grandmother had already died. And it was a custom for the Germans in Kansas, the farmers, to try to buy enough land over their lifetime that when they died, they could give 80 acres to each son. The, the girls didn't get anything. They got probably the household things. But So I went into Siri yesterday, because Siri knows everything about everything. And I asked Siri, let's see if I can find it right off here. Um, no, maybe not. Oh, yes. I asked, what would 80 acres of land in Kansas today sell for? It said $892,500. So um, my uncle, Robert Dean, who was my dad's youngest brother, moved in with my grandparents after he divorced and um, took care of them in their house in, the, in the, the big town of Ness, which is not a big town, like a thousand people. And so when they died, you know, not that they were after the money, but they were expecting, you know, grandpa was so good and my dad was so good, he's giving uh, 80 acres to each of us, but Robert Dean got it all, according to the will. And nobody knew if he manipulated that or Grandpa just decided that that's what he should do because he's been taking care of us. But in German families, at least in my experience, they're not real talkative about their feelings or about what's going on. So the only way you could find out is if you were a snoop like I was. And so I listened to their conversation. And, and I heard my dad say, you know, that, that, is, that just isn't right. That can't have been what Grandpa wanted. 
He wanted all of us to have those 80 acres. But then he goes like this, but that's it. That's the last we'll talk about it. He said, money isn't worth fighting with the family. So as a teenager, I got this lesson that, that holding the family together is, is really important. And I would say over the years, what I've heard from people on the deathbed, men and women alike, they always ask me, when they ask something, they say, tell my family to stay close to God and to the church and to hold the family together. And I suppose that would be the wish of every parent. You know, they wouldn't want to see their family fall apart, especially over material things. Today, the scriptures hold this up as a really important value. Ezekiel is told by God, according to the first reading, if, if your brother sins and uh, you don't tell him anything about it and he dies, you're responsible for that death. If you tell him about it and he doesn't listen, then when he dies, he's responsible for himself. But God was placing a demand on Ezekiel and really through him for all of us to be reconcilers, to hold it together. And we use the word community, which is made up of two words, calm, well, communion, calm and union. Calm is the Latin word for with, so communion is, is a unity with. And we, we talk about receiving holy communion. So it's not communion with the host, it's with Jesus Christ and with each other in Christ. And that is expressed so powerfully in that second reading, Paul's letter to the Romans. Because he says the key to it all is love. If you love, you will hold a communion. And love without, without love, communion and community will not exist for long. You'll break apart. So then Jesus, in a very practical example, um, he, he, he actually lays out three steps. He says, if your brother sins against you, you go to your brother secretly, quietly. Don't make a scene. Don't embarrass. And try to work out the problem so you can reconcile, come back together. If he doesn't listen to you, go and get two or three witnesses to join you and have them go in and support with their testimony um, the problem. And if he does not listen to them, then go to the whole church. And if he doesn't listen to the whole church, then separate yourself from him or him from you because he's not in communion. But that would be the last step in Jesus' speech. And strange, he says, treat him like a tax collector um, or a Gentile. And who did Jesus welcome? The tax collector. So Jesus was even willing to reach out to a tax collector, and they were the most despised of Jewish people because they were working for the Romans and probably scraping off the top and getting wealthy at the expense of the people, and they were backed up by the army, so they had it both ways. Well, as always, when we get scriptures like this, we're reading about the past, this happened, but what we're reading about is how does it affect us? How do we have an encounter with this word? And just how is important is community to us? Now, um, here we have the Church of St. Bernard. There's four Masses on Sunday today, actually. There's a fifth one, one Saturday evening. And we all belong to the community of St. Bernard's, but what is that? It's, it's a nice word, but how can you really feel community with uh, 
couple thousand people. It just doesn't make sense. And even here at this Mass, now there are people that go to usually the same Mass each week. Not everybody, but the vast majority do. They even have their own pew. They go and they stake their pew out and they're always in their pew. I've even heard some people come and say, you know, you're in my seat. <laughs> so people get a sense of community around the one Mass that they go to. But even that, look at the number of these people. How could you possibly feel it? So what happens in the church is we form smaller communities. We have the choir community, the altar-serving community, the ushers community. We have the Holy Name Society. We have the Guadalupanas, where people, because of a need to have this sense of communion uh, wrapped around their faith and their lives, they come together and they get to know each other better. They share with a kind of an intimacy of their heart so that they can share that love that they have as a small community. But what if we never belong? What if? Or what if we are cantankerous and always dividing? And the scriptures say, mm, it just doesn't work. Unless you feel that love and you build that love, you won't have the kind of community that will nourish and fill your life. Now today we have one other big community, and it is a big community, the school community. And one could even ask the question, how can 150 or 200 kids uh, feel a sense of community? But they're in classes every single day. They're not only in the school community, which is in the parish community, but they're in their class community. And even within the class, you know, we, whether we like it or not, there's little cliques that form just because people feel closer to one person or another person. But the challenge is, and this is the beauty of a Catholic school, and I'm not saying that other schools don't do it, public schools, they try, but we can be very explicit with our reasoning. We can say it's a question of our faith in Jesus Christ. And because we love the Lord, we do what the Lord asks us to do because he's inviting us to have his life growing within us. And so we can take these scriptures, and you can't do it in public school, we can take these scriptures in and actually see our lives in light of those words of God. And that, to me, is the great value of the Catholic school system, that we get a chance to explicitly, explicitly follow the words of Christ and form the kind of community that he's inviting us to. So today, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's kind of a challenge that comes from the word. I'll ask myself, too. Can, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but think about it. Think about a community that you have belonged to, but you don't anymore, and it's not, uh, it's not because um, you wouldn't like to have remained in that community, but something happened. It could be even the community of your own blood family, where like these two sisters, maybe even today, 35 years later, they don't talk to each other. I wouldn't be surprised. But if you could identify you and I could identify one tiny community that we have found ourselves perhaps break away from or they broke, broke away from us. And I'm not asking you to go do anything necessarily, except maybe even just to pray for that community, just to lift them up in prayer, because that's loving in a very spiritual way. And just asking God's grace and blessing to fill them, even if you never should exactly reconcile and come back together. Because the more that we embrace this word, the more likely, I think, that we will find ourselves belonging in different communities and actually getting life from it and giving life 
through us.